You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. There David declares, The word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. You know, one of the greatest strongholds against a sin in a person's life is to have God's word within us. Daily reading the word of God. It, it strengthens us. It becomes a, a, a fortress for us. Gang, are we being mindful of the word? Purifying our minds by the use of the word. Have you ever been guilted into reading the Bible more? That may work for a little while, but if you don't approach God's Word with a desire for His truth and light, you'll easily find yourself distracted or simply skimming through without really breathing it in. In today's message, Pastor Mike will remind you of the life-giving nature of this incredible book. It's inspired by God, and you'll be amazed at the transformation that can happen in your life when you open your heart to the truth it contains. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Peter chapter 3 as he begins his message, Regeneration and the Word of God. Go ahead and read our text, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll open up in a word of prayer. Beloved, this is Peter now writing to uh, the various churches that existed back then. Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, and both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Father, we pray now that you bless our time together. God, I pray that you would use it to help us to gain a greater appreciation and understanding of, of the veracity, the, the, the power of, of, of your word to just transform us into uh, what you want us to become. So Lord, just work a work here uh, this evening. God, uh, put your words in my mouth. Lord, bless. Lord, tailor it to meet specific needs. God, we thank you for providing this opportunity. For we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to notice, Peter here begins his third chapter of his epistle, 2 Peter, telling us why he wrote it. Notice in verse 1, to stir up our pure minds by way of remembrance. Now this exhortation is sort of similar to what he had wrote, and we've discussed this in one of our previous studies, Go back quickly to chapter 1 and verse 12. Basically, he's saying the same thing here. He says in chapter 1 and verse 12, 
For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. So listen, it's a good thing to be reminded of certain truths, of certain doctrines, lessons that we've already learned. You see, there are just some things that should never be forgotten. Now, what things are we talking about? Well, notice here, let's go back to chapter 3 and verse 2. Peter says, the words of the prophets and the commandments of the apostles of Jesus Christ. These are the things that we are to be reminded of. In other words, the Bible. Basically, what he's referring to here is the Bible. That is the believer's textbook, our rule of faith and practice. And all oh, the credibility of God's word, of this book, God's holy word, how precious it truly is. Now, let's go back to our text. Also notice, Peter speaks of stirring up our pure minds. How? Through the word of God. And let me suggest that truly, apart from Christ and his word, there's no such thing as a pure mind. You know, Paul put it this way, writing to Titus, in Titus chapter 1 and verse 15. He said, to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Even their mind and conscience are defiled. So, when we believe in Christ, and we go through that transformation, our conversion experience, His blood not only purifies our hearts, but also our minds as well. And after conversion, after our conversion experience, this experience is an ongoing one. It begins when we receive Christ, but it continues all the way up until Jesus comes back for his church. It's a part of a process. It's an ongoing uh, process. And it happens through, uh, guess what? According to our text, the study of God's word. That's a part of this process of regeneration. You know, Jesus referred to this when in John's Gospel in chapter 15 and verse 3, he says, now you are clean, you are purified, you're transformed, you're regenerated. How? Through the word which I have spoken unto you. Those are Christ's very words. Gang, if you're wanting a pure mind, you have to get into the word. You have to study the word. You have to meditate upon the word. You have to digest it. Seek for different ways to practically apply it in your everyday lives. And what a privilege it is, what a privilege God's Word uh, is that has been given uh, to us. Because think about it, every time we open up the Bible, we're actually ushered into the very presence of God. And we begin to understand something of the mind of God. You know, no wonder David cried out in the Psalms, in the 119th Psalm, in uh, verse 103, he says, how sweet are your words to my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You see, he had heard the voice of God speaking to his heart, and it was for him like honey. It was sweet to the taste, sweeter uh, to my mouth. That was David's uh, testimony. And listen, every time we open up God's word, we give God the opportunity to speak to our hearts. And listen, that can be our experience as well. In 2 Timothy, in chapter 2, in verse 15, uh, Paul here is writing to young Timothy, the uh, first pastor of the church at Ephesus, and he exhorts him to be diligent, to present yourself approved to God. So how do we present ourselves approved unto God? A worker 
who does not need to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. That is studying the word of God. Now, to study, how do we study? And uh, what is a part of our studying the word of God? What are some of the occupations of, of doing that? Uh, exercises. Well, first of all, it requires our time. You have to spend time. You have to set aside some time to study God's Word, to open up God's book, the Bible. You have to search for the Scriptures. Uh, you might want to be treating a particular issue, so you want to go through the entire Bible that addresses itself to that particular situation or circumstance. Uh, there needs to be concentration and focus on the Word of God. But you know what? How few really study the Word of God, as I just detailed it. You know, consider the time spent daily reading newspapers, magazines, watching TV, in contrast to reading the Bible. You know, oh, it would be such a blessing if we spent an equal amount of time in studying God's uh, Word. You know, there was a survey that was taken a while back, and uh, it was an interesting uh, survey. It was released by the American Management Association, under the title, How Much Time Should You Give to Reading? The survey was conducted among business executives and brought forth some significant and interesting facts. The average company official spends two hours and 45 minutes a day on must-reading, things like reports, business correspondence, and related reading. An additional hour and a quarter was spent on optional reading, such as newspapers and books. The survey also found that he subscribes to an average of eight business magazines, all for the express purpose of increasing his value and efficiency and promoting his position with his company. His reading is important because it is imperative. Well, that may be true in corporate America, but how much time should we give to reading the Bible? For us, it's must-reading. It sustains our spiritual uh, growth, our relationship with God. You know, think of it as a tool, as well as a treasure, an instrument, as well as an inspiration, a dynamic, as well as a delight. You know, F.B. Meyer, one of my favorite writers, uh, the Englishman who was a pastor and evangelist in the uh, mid-1800s, uh, said, and I quote on this subject, we may measure our growth in grace and strength in the measure in which we grow in the knowledge of the Word of God. And that's so very, very true. I also believe, and I would like to add to that statement, our weaknesses can be directly traced right back to the lack of the knowledge of God's Word. Oh, how that we need to become students of God's Word. You know, David said, another cross-reference for you from the Psalms. I'm going to share a lot of references from the Psalms with you this evening. In the 119th Psalm, in verse 97, there David cried out, Oh, how I love the law. It is my meditation all the day. Can you make that same statement? In that same Psalm, in the 119th Psalm, in verse 11, there David declares, The word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You know, one of the greatest strongholds against a sin in a person's life is to have God's word within us. Daily reading the Word of God. It, it strengthens us. It becomes a, a, a fortress for us. Gang, are we being mindful of the Word? Purifying our minds by the use of the Word. Do we honor and respect 
the Bible as God's truth. Here's another reference from the 119th Psalm. In verse 72, there David declares, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. You know, today within the church, we talk a lot about revival. There's been a lot of teaching on the subject of revival. But actually, how does revival happen? Well, let me tell you something, how it's not going to happen. That is, if we abandon the word of God. The requisite for revival is returning back to the word, faithfully preached, studied, believed, and practiced. Listen, I believe today that there is a tremendous need in our day within the churches that the Bible be brought back to a place of prominence in our pulpits. In 2 Timothy, in chapter 4, in verses uh, 2 and 4, there Paul, exhorting Timothy, declares, and he's emphasizing the importance of this, he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort, that's the effect that the word of God has as it comes forth across the pulpit, with all long-suffering, and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and the uh, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Listen, I believe that the apostasy that's being referred to here in these verses has been witnessed clearly in our present age. I fear the preaching of the word has been replaced with the gospel of opinion, which has led to all manner of weird, extreme excesses. Like, for example, mysticism, modernism, subjectivism, spiritualism, a host of cults, sects, and false religions. You see, the shallow doctrines of man have replaced the knowledge of God's word. No matter, I guess that's the reason why the church, many of the churches today are in the the way that they are uh, today. You know, it's been said that most people who join churches in our day join by confusion of faith rather than confession of faith. What am I talking about? Well, the same people who are ushered into the church, who uh, become members of certain churches, they don't even know what doctrines their church holds to. They have heard so little of the word and know even less about it. And consequently, they are rushed into a church simply to help in the process of building a big church, which is powerless and useless. And listen, I'm not suggesting that there aren't large churches, huge churches, that aren't doing what God has called them to do and uh, have their priorities straight. And they set as a priority the teaching of the word of uh, God. But there are so many churches that aren't. And so we've got to stay in the Word. Remember what Paul tells us in the book of Hebrews in chapter 4 and verse 12. He says, For the Word of God is living and is powerful. In other words, the Word of God is alive. It it can uh, transform us. Uh, It affects us in a way. It's alive and powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit, of the joints and arrows, and is a discerner of the thoughts and tents of the heart. Listen, I don't know anything else in the the entire universe that can have that kind of an effect on on an individual. It cuts through all of the facades and all of the deceptions, and it reveals the truth, 
Only the sharp two-edged sword, the Word of God, has that kind of a capacity. In 2 Timothy, here's another cross-reference for you, in chapter 2, in verse 9, there we are told by Paul that the Word of God is not bound. In other words, his message is not closed or secretive. It's for us. God's message, God's Word is for us. It's for our learning. It's for our benefit. It's for our instruction. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. You know this one. It's very familiar. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God shall abide or stand forever. So let me ask you a question. What are you doing with God's word? Are you using it as God intended us to use it? Are you permitting him daily to speak to you from his blessed word? He desires to stir up our pure minds by way of remembrance. But listen, you got to be in the Word. And if we're not men and women of this book, the Bible, there is very little He can do in and through us. And so let us thank God we have a Bible. Listen, there are many Christians around the globe that don't enjoy this luxury. That is, they don't even have a Bible. They have portions of scriptures and, and pages, and they don't have an entire Bible. You know, there's this story that I remembered and I found. I, I looked it up and found it. Uh, once again, it's the story of this 15-year-old Korean boy who longed to possess a Bible. But his parents were poor, and they could not afford to pay his school tuition, let alone buy him a Bible. Well, in church one Sunday, his pastor announced that the Bible Society men would come to the village with copies of the scriptures to sell. He added that the Bible Society would accept whatever farm produce the village folks should offer in exchange for the scriptures. They would accept even rice straw ropes, brooms, and other such items. Listen, when the boy heard that announcement, he felt that his opportunity had come. He would make straw rope. He thought he was the happiest boy in the world. He could not stop smiling. As soon as he returned home, he began to make rice straw rope. He started early in the morning and worked late into the night. By the time the Bible truck came to the village, he had made 455 feet of rope. As soon as the truck stopped in front of the village church, he ran to it carrying the bundle of rope in both arms. He handed it to the man in charge who gave him a beautiful copy of the New Testament. When his hands held the copy, two lines of tears were flowing down his cheeks, but his face was bright and smiling. Maybe that's our problem. It's too easy for us to have a Bible. If we had to perform some laborious task to have a Bible, maybe we would appreciate it more. Listen, gang, if the Word hasn't had that place in your life as God intended it to have, Listen, what do we need to do? Just confess your sin to God at this very moment. Pray the prayer that's recorded for us by David, also in the 119th Psalm in verse 18, when there he declared, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things of thy law. And listen, every time you open up God's word, you will also discover wondrous things about God, who he is, and his wanting to do that work within our lives. Get into the Word so He can speak to us daily. Verses 3 and 4. Peter says, Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, 
walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Uh, Peter tells us here that one of the recognizable characteristics of the last days will be, and listen, I believe that more than ever before, we're living in those last days. In fact, Jesus himself, by his words, gave a certain uh, signs uh, concerning uh, the last days. For example, he said that there would be wars and rumors of wars. There would be perplexity among nations with no way out. Doesn't that describe the current scene between Russia and uh, Ukraine? Jesus also went on and gave us further signs. He said that, that there would be pestilences throughout the world. And if the COVID-19 virus doesn't fall into that category, I don't know what does. So listen, we are living in the last days. And I think more than ever before, we need to get serious about the study of God's Word and the application of God's Word and our living in relationship to God's Word. Well, anyway, getting back to our study, one of the recognizable characteristics of the last days, according to Peter, will be, notice here in our text, the appearance of these scoffers who will refute the claims of God's holy word, the Bible. Now, there will be different manifestations and announcements concerning this issue, and we'll get into some of those announcements and other issues in just a a moment. But notice, Peter here focuses in on and zeroes in on the doctrine of the second coming of Jesus uh, Christ. So obviously, this one major doctrine that comes under attack by these scoffers is Christ's second coming. Why is that? Because this doctrine represents so many things. It's all-encompassing, which declares, for example, God is in control. The scoffers don't like that, and that's the very reason why Jesus is coming back again, to claim what is rightfully his, that is the world that he has created. And so it uh, tells us, it teaches us that God is in control. That's the reason why he's coming back. It also tells us that God has a purpose. God has a purpose for all of mankind, and that's also the reason why Jesus is coming a second time. And that also that there will be a final retribution. That's what also the uh, claim of uh, Christ's second uh, coming uh, represents. He's going to make all of the wrongs right. He's going to judge the earth. So these scoffers don't like any of these truths. So that's the reason why it's under attack. And that's the uh, doctrine that is under attack that Peter draws our attention to here in our uh, text. But I, as I see this, the major problem here is that these voices of unbelief don't originate outside of the church, but notice from within. And this is pretty scary. And notice it's indicated by Peter himself here in our uh, text. You see, the church is infested with these scoffers. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. This has been another edition of In My Father's House, the ministry of Harvest Christian Fellowship with Pastor Mike. Thanks for joining us. The book of 2 Peter teaches the importance of growing in your faith. When you accept Jesus' free gift of salvation, it doesn't end there. 
Jesus transforms you beginning that first day, and He continues to do so as you allow Him access to your life. Each new truth you hear from God's Word has the potential to change you, but you have to decide to let it. It's our desire at In My Father's House to present Jesus to you through each program, and we pray He's already making an impact in your life. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, visit harvestnyc.org and click on the Resource tab. We invite you to visit us, too. Join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. To find out more and reserve your seat, visit harvestnyc.org. Or just join us online for worship through the live stream if you can't be with us in person. We'd be honored if you join us in any way you are able to. Be sure to sign up for our email list for daily devotionals and the latest event information at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We'd also ask that you prayerfully consider supporting the ministry of In My Father's House through donation. We appreciate every gift given and will use it to reach more people with the Word of God. Find out more and donate securely online by clicking the Donate tab at harvestnyc.org. Thanks for giving and for being a part of today's listening audience right here on In My Father's House. Oh, my heart not be troubled.